0: Hello, everyone. This is Ryan St. George with the Talking Fist Podcast. It's been months since I uploaded an episode, and I'm sorry about that. You know, I've been really busy with new job, real estate, and everything. And uh, I've been dying to have Nabil on my show uh, after listening to uh, his interview with Ken, you know, and speaking to Nabil. And thankfully, here he is. Hi,
1: Nabil. Hi, Good to meet
0: you. Yeah. Um, We've been speaking for a few months now, probably over a year now, I don't even know. But uh, you were there when I had my previous job, now I'm working here, and we both dealt with COVID and everything, and (laughs) and it's been interesting.
1: It's true. Yeah. But now we're back. I'm sorry? But now we're back.
0: Yeah, we're back. Back and better. better. (laughs) So, I don't want to totally rehash everything you talked about with Ken. Um, but I, I, I just, I guess, kind of go over some basic stuff again. And then we're going to do a deeper dive. I, I remember before I interviewed you, before this interview, I was thinking, Man, I'm going to get all my Taiji books together and like read these like weird things and and like see if Nabil can decipher it and translate it to common English do you get what I'm saying <laughs> but I was like uh nah, maybe next time this time okay. not, not this time <laughs> um okay so I, I remember you saying you did martial arts before you did Taiji is that correct
1: yeah, as a kid, I mean, I grew up in, in central Germany in, uh, in a pretty small town, so there wasn't really much I could do there, So, um, I, but I could manage to, um, I think we drove like 20 kilometers to uh, get me to some take one door classes, so that's what I, where I basically started, and I didn't really do it too much, to be honest, like I, for a couple of years, I don't know, but I always kind of like, continued with the practice, so that was my, yeah, my childhood experience to martial arts, I guess.
0: Mm-hmm. How long did you stay in Taekwondo, just a couple years, you said?
1: Yeah, just a couple of years, and then it was really, because it was really difficult, like, my, my father died, and then it was difficult to get out there, and um, uh, because, yeah, it's all, like... Like small village stuff you know it's um so basically what you could do there was like um soccer you could play soccer and that's basically it maybe a bit of handball mm-hmm. <laughs> you know you, right. you couldn't really do much so it was difficult but i always like practice formal i kept on practicing for myself so later when i went into taiji and what we call chinese boxing at the time it. i, I think it's Still, kind of helped me because it was like yeah, such an early childhood experience in a way.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always think the flexibility of Taekwondo probably helped you pick up stuff a bit easier than other, you know, beginners in in mar- other martial arts. I would assume, right?
1: Yeah, and I think it's just like the the, the coordination stuff, mm-hmm. you know, like hand-foot coordination and stuff. So I never really had problems with flexibility anyway because I'm a bit hyper-mobile, I, I guess. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> like family genetically wise. So, um, but I think the coordination stuff, it's really good. I mean, I think whatever martial arts you do as a kid, if it's not like hardcore competitive, it will... Definitely hone your your movement skills.
0: Yeah, kid, kids shouldn't be doing full contact striking. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, how did you find uh, Taiji?
1: Well, I was uh, basically I was studying in England at the time and and one of my my at the university or like at a college so one of my my mates there he said he was doing like taiji and I was like "Whoa, what is that and he was like oh it's like meditation mixed with martial arts so that kind of got me hooked so Mm -hmm. when I came back to Germany I thought okay I have to kind of start doing that and because I always thought like, oh, I'd like to go into Asian culture, meditational practices at some point. So mm-hmm. I thought, okay, maybe the martial arts really like, like motivationally, it's, it's like really helping me uh, because I just like doing that sort of thing, you know? So I thought meditation is maybe a bit too boring for a 20, 21 year old. So, well, it's not really what I think nowadays, but that's how I was back then. So, and then I just looked at, um, I tried to find a teacher, and one of my friends. She said, "Like, oh yeah, we we have this teacher around, so at least doing like street fighting once a week." So <laughs> <laughs> I thought, okay, if that's what Taiji is. So we we go there, and uh, that was basically my first first Taiji uh, class. Yeah,
0: and that was in Germany,
1: right? Yeah, that's in Germany in Hanover. It's like pretty yeah, in central Germany.
0: Okay, what was the Chinese martial arts scene like in Germany at the time?
1: I think it was, I mean, it was in the 90s. So everything was like, I mean, it was pre YouTube, but it was also even like pre internet almost, you know, like uh, most schools didn't have websites. And so everything was a bit more difficult to find out actually, like nowadays, you know, basically everything once you Google, uh, use Google, but now back then it was I didn't really know too much about it. I mean, there was like some really super commercial stuff, like supermarket kung fu, you know. And then sometimes you might have like very authentic teachers, like strewn in between. But you need really to have some word of mouth to to get to know them, and also like to find out anything about lineage, you know. Back then. I mean, when somebody told you, oh, I I'm, I was learning in, I don't know, the Chen Fako lineage or whatever, you would just basically believe them, right? <laughs> because right. you couldn't, you couldn't know anyway. So, um, it, like in the 90s, yeah, everything was like really difficult. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And then Tai Chi, of course, it always had this hippie kind of touch, right? So uh, just because of the way, I guess it was, it, it basically came to the West,
0: Especially, I think the United States is the one that really pushed that hippie tai chi stuff, if I'm not mistaken. It was pretty prominent here, and it probably had an effect over in Western Europe pretty heavily, right?
1: Yeah, and I guess, like, um, then, I mean, there was more exchange, of course, between the U.S. and, and Western Europe. So, of course, a lot of this sort of culture was Basically the same, I'd say. You know, right. like uh, also we had like teachers from the US. Actually, the first school I went to, um, it was actually being founded by by an American guy who, who lived in Germany for a while. So you know that. So I think the it's probably very similar to the US uh, at the time.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, looking back now, when you did that Taiji class, like you were just told it was Tai Taiji, they could have said it was it anything and you would have believed it, but what what exactly was, I mean, I don't know, we can't say exactly, but what do you, what was it basically, what do you think it was? Was it Yang style or Chen actually, or was well, it just that I guy doing his own thing?
1: You, you mean what I was studying at the time? Yeah. Yeah, that was, I mean, my teacher said it was like a mix between Yang style and Chen style, but... Um, later, looking back at it, I thought it was always like the the Chengman, the Chengman Ching form, you know, the classic Cheng Man Ching form, the mm-hmm. what is it like a 37 form or something. Mm-hmm. So it was very, very, uh, like Cheng Man Ching, uh, like, um, related. So also all the, the bodywork was very much like into the relaxation and everything. So and he was mixing like different at the first my first school was like a very eclectic sort of school like with um, some bing chung put in and some bagua and xingy and but everything very very eclectic so i wouldn't really call it like xing yi for example anymore you know but um, at the time it was basically like i think the the main aim was like trying to make um to understand what the external movements were about and Testing them uh, in a practical way. Mm-hmm. So, and that was probably the best um, thing I could really, um, yeah, I can really say that we were always like testing everything. You know, we're like right. we'd be using mats, and we would be like there would be a lot of partner work and. Uh, a lot of like also power generation so what mm-hmm. you wouldn't really usually find in Tiananxing style right but like we would always like be trying to to make a use of everything so right. that, that was something good actually
0: I noticed some schools maybe they don't have the best content sometimes but they're always trying to evolve and trying to test things out which actually can make the difference in a lot of ways would you say
1: yeah definitely I mean if you're te- uh, detached from the practical use of the arts then it's uh, no use, mm-hmm. you know. Like, if you if you're just like having a tradition which um, which is functionally not applicable, then well, it's it's a dead tradition. So it's mm-hmm. it's not a real tradition anyway, you know. Right. So I, I think there needs to be like a like a positive tension between sticking to what you learned, like the tradition you learned from and the lineage and and all this, but of course you have to bring it into life yourself otherwise things won't work right mm-hmm. so i think um, that's always a tension we have like learning something learning by heart learning like uh, so you, you can intuitively like kind of make use of it and stuff but also like testing it and thinking about these things like i remember like 10 Yu, much much later so for example when he was like teaching push hands to me you know he was like very meticulous about every gin he would use. You know, he was like, okay, here, you do this. And then if if your opponent answers with this, you do this jinn, you know. like, And so he was very meticulous and going on like this for like, I don't know, 10 minutes or so. And then at the end he would say, okay, now you go and teach them and um, you think about it yourself. You know, I can't teach you every jinn. You have to like make use of it and you have to develop it by yourselves. And I thought that was like a pretty it basically sums it up right like mm-hmm. it's of course there's teaching and there's a tradition and there's and it's very deep and very useful but then you have to put it into practice and right. um, yeah.
0: one of my favorite karate masters says you kind of like I'm pretty sure it applies to taiji as well you have to make karate your own if you don't then it's like a dead art would you say the same thing with Taiji? Like, you could learn all this stuff, learn all these body mechanics and methods, but if you don't make it your own, what is it then?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's nothing... It's like basically externalizing the art. Mm-hmm. I think if you don't make it your own, it's like, it's never internalized, right? So it's not not an internal martial art in a way, you know? I mean, that's a difficult term anyway, but right. I think... Um, you're perfectly right. You could basically, you can do it with any art. I mean, like as a musician, if you're just like playing songs, but you're not like, you don't fill the songs with your own emotions, with your own thoughts, then mm. it's like dead, is isn't it? So right. I think you can basically say that about a lot of human activities in a way.
0: That's true. Um, so going back to that school, how long were you there?
1: Um, I... Never really, uh, I don't know. I I, th- I think I basically started. I, I definitely five to seven years. I practiced quite diligently, and then I uh, started to also uh, do some Chen style. Um, so. Yeah, and then I did that for a couple of years, for like another five, six years. So there was a bit of like an overlap between those arts, you know, so it's a bit difficult to say exactly. But So I had like, when I went to Chenyu, to see Chenyu, I was doing all those things like for 10, 11 years, 12 years maybe, in quite an intense kind of way.
0: Interesting. So you were already a very serious martial artist before you went to see Chenyu, correct? Yeah,
1: well, I was already also a trainer like uh, i had a small group and teaching Mm -hmm. people Mm -hmm. and i had like i started teaching basically for my own training you know i wanted to structure my own training and so i got a couple of friends together and just told them okay let's share the rent for the room so we put the money together and then i taught them you know so this is how i got into teaching and then later i got a like a certificate from the organization here which is doing the central one sort of uh, stuff and um, I was having a small
0: course and a couple of students So, and then I went to yeah, see Chen Yu mm-hmm. So to be clear the Chen Taiji you were doing was what people and before you went to Chen Yu was is what people would today uh, call the village uh, Chen style, right?
1: Yeah, it's like, yeah, exactly, like Chen, Chen Village or Chen, Chen Wang. I don't know, like, um, what people call it. <laughs> but yeah, right. Something like that. Like the big frame, like probably, like, to be more correct, like big frame style mm-hmm. in Chen Village or something, yeah. Okay.
0: And then, uh, to be simple, I guess, Chen Yu, is that the Beijing line?
1: Yeah, Chen Yu is like... Um, the only child of Chen Zhao Kuei and Chen Zhao Kuei uh, is the youngest child of Chen Faku mm-hmm. And basically, the, the, the only one of those children who taught extensively, I mean, the, the daughter also taught a bit, Chen mm-hmm. Yuxia. And his oldest son, I don't know. Uh, I don't think he taught anyone really. So basically, Chen Zhao Kuei was the only child of Chen Faku who taught. And then, of course, Chen Faka had other students. So there's a the Beijing line is a bit larger than just just our lineage, you know. Okay. Okay. So it's not impossible to find the
0: Beijing style Taiji if you went to China, right? There's there's a few people that could teach you. You think?
1: If it, you're saying like if there are a couple of people teaching it, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they have different, like, also organizations, like, uh, a lot of these, like, because Chen fakir I mean, he became very popular, as you probably know, so mm-hmm. uh, he had a lot of students, and a lot of those students also built their own, like, organizations or associations, or however you want to call them, so... Um, and then, I mean, basically you can look up uh, different, uh, some different styles. You, you will also notice a couple of differences there. So, but of course you can also just um, go to see my teacher or my teacher's son, and he's teaching in Beijing. So, um, and also he's got a couple of 2D in other cities. So that's something you could definitely do.
0: Right. And on the West, we got you and Marin, right?
1: Yeah, and then there's uh, Boris uh, in the Ukraine. I don't know. If there is a lot of teaching, of course, at the moment because the situation is very difficult. But right. um, then I've got my my kung fu brother here in in Germany, Constantine, but he's not teaching much. But um, we are doing a lot together mm-hmm. always here. Yeah. And then I mean there are a couple like Hans uh, in uh, Hans O. Oh, uh, he's in uh, in Korea, but a lot yeah some some of them are not teaching much so. Um, I think there's only
0: a bunch of us who are teaching a lot. Yeah. Okay. So to be honest and direct, uh, you did the, the village style and you went to the, the Beijing style. We're just being kind of simple right now with our phrasing. Um, I know things can be, things can be a bit more complicated, but just to be simple and quick, um, what happened? I mean, how, I mean, did he say you got to start over from the beginning or do you say, okay, that's good. Let's just make some money. You,
1: you know, you can't see me. You put a, you just put a smile on my face with your question because mm-hmm. I have to remember, like, I have to like kind of get back into my former self, you know, like at the time I actually, I didn't. Okay. I thought I really understood what chance style was about. You know, I thought it was like, oh, okay, I know what this is about. I have to trade more, but I basically, I know how to practice this. So. Mm-hmm. And I did not know much about all those like differences at the time, you know, I thought, okay, Chen style is Chen style. So um, when I decided I'd like to go to to see Chen Yu, then um, I thought it's, it was mainly the reason I I saw, I saw videos and pictures of him and stuff and so thought, okay, that's like one of the best, uh, if not the best person in in like, for me personally speaking uh, in that style. So I really want to see that see him to just to like, understand how, how he feels like, you know, how he how he moves. And uh, I didn't think he would be teaching me a lot of new stuff. Because I thought I would basically I already understood Chen style you know, so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's why I have to laugh a bit at when you ask this question. So when I uh, went over, I mean, he was very nice to me. And especially in the beginning, he's always like, Yeah, you put it, I mean, he saw you, I put a lot of work in. But I mean, then he starts teaching you the basics. And usually, like, I didn't really understand that what he was teaching was any different at the time, you know, I thought, oh, okay, this is how this is being done. So uh, only afterwards, I slowly, slowly found out like, oh, okay, it's uh, the weight distribution is different, you know, the way uh, this way the, the, the legs are structured is different. So. I would say the method uh, he taught slowly crept into my body. And and um, then at the time I understood it, I just, I couldn't do anything but those forms anymore. You know, I, mm-hmm. so I, I wasn't actually trying to to learn something new, but it, it just happened to me, you know? Mm-hmm. So at some point I just decided, okay, I, um, in the beginning I tried to, to learn, you know, and, I learned the 75 form and the 83 form in the Chen Chia Wang line, what they call Lao Jia and Qin Mm Jia, the the old frame and the new frame. And then of course Chen Yu doesn't call it like that. So I learned his form, I started to learn his form and then I thought, okay, that's really super complicated because then you just stick to the external choreography all the time and that's of course not really worthwhile. So I just uh, stopped doing the the eighty three forms from Chen Xiao Wang right away. So and then later I, I stopped doing the seventy five forms just because I didn't really know what to practice anymore in, in those forms, you know. Because Chen Yu's forms felt so full and um yeah, incredible and like super detailed and I just wanted to conserve that also, you know. Mm-hmm. So
0: mm-hmm. it's it's weird. Like I, I don't do Tai Chi, but when i'm watching the two of them if i'm being honest with you they look like completely different martial arts almost
1: yeah i think that's true in a way it's um it's also something like i didn't expect and i didn't really see at the time but um so you're much more uh, attentive (laughs) than me at the time so but i have a couple of martial arts friends say the same it's like um that, uh, like the the Chen Yu forms really kind of stick out, uh, and they don't really know why, because they're not usually doing those uh, forms, but that they just notice there's uh, something different. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I think it's, you could sum it up in a way, it's like, externally, of course, this is all Chen style, you know, it's like all, uh, you could say it's all the same externally, because the forms are all, in a way, externally. The same, but similar shapes, right? But yes, maybe not the shapes. same
0: mechanics or weight distribution. You would say,
1: yeah, not not like the mechanics. I wouldn't say, it, but it's like just like the external shapes are basically the same, right? But then what you do in those shapes, uh, it's like just completely different. Mm-hmm. You know, I, um, you you start with the feet, like what the feet do. You give them some sort of intention. You put some, you could say you put some gin into the the feet, you know, like some force. Mm -hmm. And then you do the same with the, with your thighs, with your knees, with your hips. So you're always like putting some sort of intention and some activity, some structuring force into those parts of your body. And then you move on and all those things you do with your body and then um, how you integrate those forces, you know, this is basically completely different. So you could say it's externally. It's, of course, all of this is classified as Chen style, but then internally, and uh, if you follow a lineage in a diligent way and meticulous kind of way, then everything you do in those forms is kind of really different. Right.
0: It, so I mean, if you know the story, though, I, I I could sum it up in a weird way. I mean, I, I don't remember all the names, but um the... I guess the the very deep, you know, internal practice of of Chen Tao wasn't even even in the village anymore. And uh, I believe, who do they have to invite back for a while to start teaching again, to kind of bring it back? Um, Do you know what I'm talking about? I mean,
1: this is a very political thing. Um, This is difficult to say. I mean...
0: um, if we're just being direct about history and lineage, we just say it, you know we don't want to offend anyone, but we're just saying what's apparent, like, what's, you know legitimately true, you know, it's not like we're making stuff up, you know
1: yeah, yeah, no, it's I'm just thinking, it's like, I try to like, make, because I think if I just answered like, yes or no, I I think it would be too simple, I think there were I mean, there were always like like, uh, developments, you know, Mm -hmm. like um, there was always like, famine, war right whatever in in also imperial china so we could always say like okay, of course all these arts these these village arts were always like under some pressure at certain points in time you know so mm-hmm. and the same applies to chen village and i think you're referring to the cultural revolution uh times you know so of course after um China became communist. And there, were, I mean, there was like the preceding civil war. So that was very tough. And then a lot of the Xiaojia people, the small frame people of Chen style, a lot of them went, uh, for example, to Xi'an and um, but I, actually I'm not, I, I don't know if everybody went to Xi'an, you know, I can't, yeah. I can't tell you also because I don't learn. I have a lot of respect for the small frame people, and there are some there's some really good stuff out there. So, but I don't, I can't speak of all of them for all of them, you know, because it's also like not one lineage, but nowadays it's like more than, you know, it's different teachers. So, a lot of them went out, and then of course in the in the big frame, uh, Chen Zhao P came back, and I think he was like a very um, important figure to um, to help the youth to learn. Chen style at all, you know. I think without him, it might have probably died out. That's what you can, I mean, read from his his descendants and stuff. You know, I mm-hmm. think his son wrote a wrote um like an epitaph or whatever. I don't know how you call it, like um obituary, uh, right after yeah. Chen Zao P's death. So, but Chen Zao P was so well, he was very influential, but. I think his practice was also a bit idiosyncratic, you know, mm-hmm. like a bit special. So but his forms are basically the forms which nowadays people call the old frame. It's basically only his form. So I, I think it's a bit like a misnomer, but so at that point in time, Chen style might have really died out in Chen Zhebo, I think. Well, but uh, it didn't because also of his uh, because of his personal sacrifice. You know, he was also persecuted and everything. Right. Didn't he so, tried to I mean, kill himself
0: he, in a well.
1: He, yeah. Yeah. Uh, tried to kill himself so he couldn't really move his one leg uh, mm-hmm. for a while. He jumped into a well and I think he was found the next day. And it was all very difficult times. I mean, a lot of people died at the time. You know, so. Um, And then when he died in 72, they brought back like Chen Jiao Kui for a couple of times and um, later Feng also. So they tried to bring back some important teachers to kind of learn more.
0: But for me, like looking at that objectively, like how could it how could it ever be like people bringing people back for a short period of time? (laughs) It's never going to be at the, the level or as deep as the Beijing line or is accurate, I guess. Do you get what I'm saying? Unless someone, like, one of the masters from Beijing moved there and lived there every second. Do you, do you get what I'm saying, Nabil? Like, to me, that's why there's such a huge difference. Like, they develop differently, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's also, I think the methodology is just different. I, I wouldn't, like, you know, of course, I'm, I'm pretty biased, yeah? so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, I like for this interview, I want to like paint a bigger picture in a way. So um, I think it's um, what Chen P was really teaching. I mean, they they also they use still use the the form they call lao jia, mm-hmm. uh, the seventy five form. They use it as a basis, basic form. You know, it's like the uh, laying the f- uh, fundamentals for later practice. Mm-hmm. So, um, by, by the way, are you recording this? Because I, I, can't, I can't see uh, any recording.
0: Yeah, I am, but I'm using Adobe Audition to record. Ah,
1: okay, sorry.
0: It's okay. <laughs> so, oh, wait, Zoom could record, huh? I didn't know that. Okay.
1: Yeah,
0: but I, I just noticed, sorry. I. Uh, no, it's okay. But, uh, okay, yeah, I use oh. Adobe Audition.
1: <laughs> so... You know, and then they're still using it as a basic form. And also in, in general, they basically say like the forms from Chen Zhao uh what they call Xinjia, is basically for for more like a Kung Fu practice and for like a more advanced practice. Um, but I think like, and for them, I think it makes sense, you know, but of course, for someone like me, who's, it's, when they say Xinjia, it's basically, I already know it's not the same forms that we do you know, it's just externally speaking, it's similar. But internally speaking, it's a very different methodology to, to, to do those forms. Mm-hmm. So um, in a way, they, they've built their practice on what Chen P taught them, you know, right. And, um, and Chen P, the funny thing is that Chen P is also like a student of Chen Fa Ke. So um, nowadays, people basically call the forms of the student old frame and then of the teacher new frame makes also. no sense yeah <laughs> that's a bit weird like right. language wise but anyway it's it's more like a political political discussion mm-hmm. it's uh, from the methodology it's not so super important i think
0: okay i just uh i'm just trying to get to the core of this because uh i remember Marin and byron were talking about it pretty deep um did you ever listen to that interview that Marin had uh, byron had with Marin, the second one
1: no, unfortunately not. Okay.
0: Yeah, he Marion was quite direct about the differences and uh, I mean basically are are they even the same thing anymore? Because it looks like to me, like I mean, <laughs> you know, a lot like when I see like the Chen village guys spar, it looks like they're just doing shui jiao in a way. You know what I mean? Um, or bad judo, like I don't know, are, are they even the same thing anymore? In your opinion?
1: Um. Yeah, I think. I mean, they don't look the uh,
0: same at all. So.
1: Yeah, I think it's like a question of like uh, what kind of perspective we choose, right? It is like a super meta perspective. Of course, both are martial arts. It's like a a, a a bit like a smaller perspective. It's like okay, they're both Chen style because they're both basically both classified as Chen style just from the external movements, you know. So, and then so in the way in a way they are still the same art, of course. But then if you do them or like if you go more deeply into the matter, then of course they feel completely different, you know. Like um, when I teach someone like who are coming from like. It, i remember i had a teacher like from coming from uh from the chen village side and then i teach them and then in the in the works it was a workshop and then after a couple of hours they say like oh it it feels like a hundred percent different you know and i always tell them like don't think about you're doing tai chi you know that just think you're doing something like completely different like karate or something so (laughs) try to put the, the body work into a different category in your in your brain, you Mm -hmm. know, otherwise, people will always mix it up and kind of lose it. So from that perspective, um, I I would say it's not the same art Yeah, Like, you know, as a coach, I wouldn't say it's the same art, because I can see that people don't make the same progress when they have that approach. Right, right. So, but of course, it's still chen style. So you know, it's like different, like, what kind of perspective do we take on on the issue, you know?
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, what, what are the, some of the superficial differences you would say? Would you say the village has wider stances?
1: Um, yeah, that's more like, yeah, exactly. That's, that's like some of the superficial stuff is like um, the, the stances are wider in the village. The, the position of the feet is a bit different. Um, you know, the because of the wide stances, of course, these things are related. And then um you have different weight distributions. That's what people always come up with when they watch the forms, you know. And then of course, yeah, and, and I think like the, the more in like, the more internal difference is that in new style, I would say to some to sum it up, you know, like, uh, the, the way the, the forms are structured is like, by using gym forces all the time mm-hmm. you know putting forces into your body and very intentionally structuring your body that way so i think that's the main difference like internally speaking but externally it's just like i don't know weight distribution stands and then of course the way hips and waist kind of are coordinated
0: mm-hmm. would you say like the striking techniques are pretty similar or more or less the same like I mean, in no. a superficial way, or would you say they're very different when you because of the mechanics are so different?
1: The striking, you say? I think it's. Uh, yeah, I think the the whole, all the the shapes um, in the hands are basically super different because you know what we always. Um, yeah, so that's that's a bit more. Um, I mean, when we we are talk, we're talking about martial art, right? So, a lot of the times nowadays, people have when they practice Taiji, they have a more like principle-oriented approach, right? Mm-hmm. Like a lot of like, oh, uh, we do fang sung practice or stuff like this. So, um, but I think like how I teach our forms, is also like it's more like a, you know, as a martial art, you need to connect your body in a way that you're creating this uh, like or the uh, you know the, the the whole body force of your mm-hmm. body so of course that also includes the hands right so you're building like it's not about fang song, or fang song is just like one part of the
0: whole thing you need fang song you mean that. like uh, relax right Relax. yeah relax, sorry
1: yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, people are always like, oh, that's a principle and in Tai quite often we hear that. And I mean, that's okay. Everybody can do what they want. But well, what to me, what often happens is that the arms are just like super disconnected from the rest of the body because mm-hmm. when people start to relax, they usually mean the arms, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, uh, but I think if we take this whole concept one level further and we're still talking about martial art, then of course you have to like connect your arms and your hand shapes and everything to your body core. So, and then of course, when you've done that, of course, all the striking is basically different from what you did before. Right. So very well said. Yes. yes. Um, and then striking, I mean, people sometimes are like, oh, okay. We don't have so many fists in Chi," or they're like, there's only like this one punch in the form, you know, but that's a bit, Superficial, of course, because well, first of all, there are different kind of punches inside the form. You know, where, like we have like um, like a lot of downward punches, like the, the like a pounding kind of movement. You mm-hmm. know, like we have a lot of like um, or chung, like uh, like almost like uppercuts or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, but also all the hand for hand movements, they are also like kind of strikes, right? Like a lot of the shapes, because they are like functional. Mm-hmm. They are multifunctional. You can like cut out with them, you can drill, you can grab, you can chin na, you do joint locks and stuff. Mm-hmm. So um and a lot of that stuff is also like hitting. So hitting out with the elbows, mm-hmm. with the palms. So a lot of this is like close close quarter stuff, right? So mm-hmm. um yeah, and sorry, that was a long answer to your no, question. No, but, it's um, a
0: great answer though. <laughs>
1: So anyway, uh, of course, the punching is, is quite different from the, what they do in the village. Um, yeah, because it's just a different methodology in how to teach those forms, you
0: know. Mm-hmm. Now, speaking of a technique that stuck out to me it was coiled snake. Those two, those two lower kicks. Um, you know what I'm talking about, right, in well, the bill? The lower, uh, like a low roundhouse kick, then like a low sweep follow, following it.
1: Oh yeah,
0: of course. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think it's called coil snake. I'm I'm not sure. I'm sorry if I'm wrong. Um. I, I you displayed two versions of it. The, the you know the the showy version and the practical version. Um. What what would that uh, like a technique like that, um, even that the mechanics and everything behind it is so different from the village. Would you say?
1: Um, maybe that's particular technique. I don't, I don't know. i I think I would have to, you know, also, I think when we are talking about the village you know there are a lot of different teachers there so
0: yeah i shouldn't i shouldn't over generalize yeah
1: yeah that's, that's sometimes to me a lot of these people also have different uh, methods mm-hmm. to be honest you know so and i think you can also see a lot of difference between the 19th generation there and the 20th generation there so i'm always a bit uh, careful to uh just brush over all those different what about
0: your experience then um, let's just stick with your experience um
1: in the in this with this kick, you mean? Yeah, I mean basically, if you want to make use of it, basically uh, you make both kicks pretty pretty low. Mm-hmm. You know, you you mean the whirlwind kick, don't you? Like,
0: the, that, the, I'm pretty sure they're they're two low kicks. Like there it was a low roundhouse kick, I believe, to the to the calf. Yeah. And then a, a low, like a, I guess a reap or a spinning heel kick to the calf. Following it, I'm not sure.
1: Yeah, I think the, that's. Yeah, so I think you don't know, mean that movement. I mean, the first one is just like a splitting technique, right? You, it's like a, you're, it's like a kick into the, yeah, like a roundhouse kick to the the hips so or the the upper thigh, and then basically the arms are doing like a splitting movement. So it's like a separating movement in a way, like wow. separating upper and lower body, you know. Mm-hmm. So and then the second kick is more like a like you're like a folding sort of thing, like where you, you're kicking to the to the thigh, but then the arms are like folding in, so you're kind of yeah, folding your opponent the way
0: right down. I liked it because I liked how aggressive it looked. Um, because uh, when I see a lot of Taiji applications, a lot of it is china or you know kind of uh, like upper body grappling stuff. Do you get what I'm saying? So when I, I saw you do that, it was it just really st- uh it really stood out to me. I really liked it.
1: Oh really? Did I did I have a did I do I have that in public domain? I don't I don't
0: know, <laughs> but maybe I have it. I, I saw it on I think it was on uh, Instagram.
1: Okay, interesting. Yeah, maybe maybe I, I don't I can't even know. I'm uh, now I've become a social media person. I'm forgetting what I post about. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I think, like, um, I, I'm always a bit careful, like, to put out applications, um, to be honest. Um, also because, like, Taiji, I think it is actually quite aggressive as martial art. Mm-hmm. You know, it's I don't think the image is quite correct. You know, like, when they call it, like, a soft art or whatever, I, I don't think it's very correct. I think it's more like a, a very dirty sort of... Sort of um, street fighting art, you know, Um, because you have all the elbows in there. You have to, I mean, if you take this whole notion serious that a smaller opponent should also be able to win against a larger one, then you need to build in powers into your art, which are nasty, which are small, which are like punctuating, you know?
0: Mm -hmm. So, um, because
1: otherwise, I mean, if you're just having like long strikes and and long range things, a smaller opponent will never win against a larger opponent. Just to be honest, you know? Well, you're right. So you, you need to like build in methods into your art, which are nasty. And uh, that of course, um, like kind of the chosen in your, in the methodology of your form. So, but I also, I don't like to, like put this out into the public domain because I think it's like not a mindset I want to necessarily cultivate. You know, if I don't have like contact with people where you can build a relationship and you know they're right. the same people, you know, like so um I'm just one, like because I think the public image is more like taiji is like a very soft art and and everything, but I don't necessarily think it's true. You know, in Chinese, in the from the concept, you always have this. Like the newa like the you know the internal external harmonize or mm-hmm. become one, or you have this gang uh, shanji like the the hard and the soft mutually complement one another mm-hmm. you know all this kind of stuff, so it's always about a very balanced sort of art, you know like but it's never about only being soft or only being kind of relaxed or whatever it, that doesn't really work right right so i think the art is like quite complex and deep but it's it's not really some of the cliches out there are not, not necessarily true if you practice the art
0: right well a lot of that was just marketing probably that kumbaya hippie stuff it was just added on later you know to... Yeah,
1: in. I think, it, it, there's, I mean, Tai Chi has a long long tradition now, like, um, and a lot was also probably developed from like the Yang style and the old Wu style, you know, a mm. lot of the uh, theories were also developed by uh, Wu Yuxiang, you know, the Wu style, the old Wu style founder. So And then of course in the 20s uh, china had health problems so they wanted to use tai chi as a as a folk art to promote health and that happened again in the 70s and so on so like an art is always like um it's always like part of a bigger society, right? So it will change, I think. And that's, but you could probably say that about every art in a way, you know? Mm -hmm. So that had definitely happened with Taiji. And uh, I think there was at some point, probably there was a bit too much, um, like putting in philosophical, like philosophy and principles and, uh, you know, making it a soft art and all this kind of stuff. I think there was a bit too much effort Promoted that way, mm-hmm. and lost a bit of uh, practical purpose at some point. Mm-hmm. But I mean, di- a different lineages still maintain that, So it, 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 I think it's very difficult to talk about Taiji as a as one art, you know, because there now I think there's like a lot, lot of like a hundred Taiji styles out there with very different methodologies, you know. Mm-hmm.
0: Have you ever played around with the Yang style or, or Swen style or Wu style?
1: Um, played around with like you, meet, like, you mean like meeting people and stuff?
0: Meeting people and exchanging or learning, taking classes here and there or,
1: uh, I've never like, no, because, I mean, I started doing this young style and, um, uh, You know, but then, like I met in 2005 or something, I I met Mario Napoli, uh, maybe you know him, like the guy who's uh, went to Chinjago on on the tournament dance. So Mario is like a completely different young style, you know. Mm -hmm. So I was at one of his workshops like 15 years ago. So he he was a great guy. Um, and then I mean like in Hanover they have like a big push-hands meeting a friend of mine Niels Klug he's doing it so if you want to like uh, do a lot of push hands with uh, very different people just go there and in one day you you have met like 10 15 different styles, you know, so Mm -hmm. I did that uh, for a while, like, also like 12 years ago, 15 years ago, I don't know. So I've met a lot of different people. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And like always, you can have good people in all styles, you know, and it's not a style which defines if somebody has useful skills. It's, it's just not the case, you know, Or it's like always, there's a relation between what style teaches and the methodology, but then also. What a person grasps and trains, right? So, and of course, if both come together, it's probably the best situation. Mm-hmm.
0: Did you read any any uh, of the other Taiji books, uh, like on on swim style or anything like that? Have you ever read any of that stuff?
1: Yeah, of course. I um,
0: like Swin the, Swin the tongs book and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, I've looked at it. Yeah, I just. Um, a friend of mine who just wrote a book on son Lu Tang, so he asked me to to read his uh, book, uh, and I read it whole with all the translations and stuff. And I looked at the Young Style stuff. Uh, I can really recommend Barbara Davis, for example, the book uh, when she wrote on the Young Star classics. Um, she also had all the Chinese text uh, in the back, so that's pretty useful uh, mm-hmm. if you speak Chinese. So. Um, and uh, yeah, of course. I read a lot of stuff. I I read a book. Uh, I wrote a book once, you know, on the origin of Tai Chi Chen. So uh, I read a lot of different theories, and um, that I found it really helpful for my own development. You know,
0: mm-hmm. it's fun. It's interesting. Even though I don't do Tai Chi, I still love to read about it and speak to people about it. I think it's so fascinating. And all knowledge, all, yeah. all knowledge is good knowledge. You know, so.
1: Yeah, and I think it's like, uh, I think Stanley Henning, uh, um, I don't know if you know him, he's a very famous, like, martial arts researcher. He uh, he once said in one of his uh, articles, like, um, that the old Taiji Chuan texts are very much, like, um, summarizing Chinese boxing theory. Mm-hmm. And um, he meant that it's not like that, No, nobody ever tried to make something very sp- like a specific or like a special or different martial art out of it, it, you know, there was always like he, and I think he's absolutely right. If you look at the old texts, you can really see a break, um, I think, from the imperial texts like before, like 1912, I would say. And then the later texts, which are more like the Republican Mm texts. And um, you can still really see a big break because in the Republican times in China, people try to like teach the art and um, there's a different kind of feeling in those texts, you know, mm-hmm. and before that in the Imperial times, it was more like secret, uh, secret knowledge and um, not very clear sometimes. Very
0: vague, so, right?
1: Yeah, but vague, just because no like you you really have to practice an art to to understand it, mm-hmm. you know. So and then of course in the eighteenth century again, I think I mean there the, the the sources become quite scarce, right? But we have some texts like the Chang Naijo text, for example, which is a great example. Mm-hmm. And um, those texts again they have a slightly different flavor. I, I think it's like but I love reading those old texts. I think it's like super interesting. Um, and then the Republican Times and later, I, I, I'm not not a huge fan of it. And like Western authors, I'm very like I'm myself. I'm a Western author, so um, I can be self so critical. So I, I'm very. I think they sometimes made the art more unclear. Actually, trying to to clarify something, but then they are like taking some Chinese concepts and make them too big, you know, and then neglecting very fundamental other concepts.
0: Well, a lot of, I noticed the Western authors don't, I I don't want to say a lot, but some I've encountered, they don't speak Chinese. So it's a bit hard for them to, they're not like you, like you speak fluent Chinese, you live there. Um, You you can get these ideas, but people when they're getting it through a translation, maybe that's why they get the you know the concepts become like like what you just said, you know.
1: Yeah, I think you. I think it's not even like. I think you need to really put. um, You need to understand the art, you know. Like for a Chinese person who's reading one of those texts, they basically won't understand it usually. Right.
0: Well, you know, um, I've done that with my wife before it didn't make any sense to her So
1: yeah because it's like it's also like there's some of the terms are like like anjin for example you know like pressing the, uh, or something like it's it's so like a mundane word for them so it's mm-hmm. like what do they want to say mm-hmm. you know it's big, but in Taiji of course it's like a technique and um or like a pungen, it, it basically it has no meaning to a normal Chinese person, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then even like characters like Lu, they don't even exist, you know. So um, some of the stuff you really need to understand what they what they mean as a, like a, in a very technical kind of sense. And if, if you have that understanding, I remember like in two thousand eight or something, I was like learning from Chenyu, and then I was reading those young texts again, and I really saw how that. Is still like one tradition in a way, you know, like uh, or the Wu Xiang text. It's probably what he compiled in eighteen sixty or eighteen fifty or something. Mm. So, and you can really see, oh, okay, they still have the same concepts in there. There's a lot of the words are actually the same. So, and with that practical knowledge, of course, you can understand what they what they mean. But without that knowledge, it's basically, yeah, you don't know. Right. Uh, so.
0: To be direct, yeah. you just don't know. To be honest, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, you just don't know.
0: You don't know. You could try. Yeah. You could do research, but you you really don't know.
1: Yeah, and I think in the West, then what always comes together is like if people in the West read something about like oh pressing or squeezing or whatever, they think oh, maybe that's mundane. It's like and they might not have have a lineage or something, so they think oh maybe. More interesting to talk about qi, you know, and then right. what qi means. And then they like to talk about fangsung because it seems seems so counterintuitive. Because for martial art to relax, it sounds yeah, counterintuitive, right? So mm-hmm. and then they stress those points when in actual practice it's um other things are much more interesting, you know, like Shen fa is like the, the most important thing how do you coordinate your body you know and it's much more interesting than talking about chi all the time
0: right okay just, just, let's let's talk about Shen fa then for a second to your to your, <laughs> oh, to your average guy average person that's interested in tai chi and all they know about is chi what they think they think they know about Sorry, it's my son. They think they know about chi. Um, what what would you tell them about Shen Fa?
1: Well, I, they, usually I try not to talk about chi in the first couple of years, you know, because it's easily no use at all. Um, because people are trying to make something, yeah, like otherworldly, otherworldly into it, you know, Mm -hmm. kind of. So I just basically teach a functional bodywork, I would say, you know, like, how do you connect your body force with your hands, and then I just teach them, like very simple stuff, like, if you hold out your hand, and you want to have it stable, then, of course, you can just like tense your muscles, but maybe it's like, um, more useful to align your body. So then you can relax a bit more and it's like you don't lose so much power, but also it's more efficient. And then if you have that experience, okay, I can like have that connection. Then you can talk about how can you keep that connection in movement and how can you express different forces in movement. And then you are basically talking about Shenfa already because it's coordination of your upper body and then the lower body and everything, you know. So. Uh, that's how
0: I approach the thing. So in a very practical kind of way, you know, mm-hmm. interesting. I like that. Um, do you ever get people that are so adamant about chi or the missus, mystic- the mystical stuff that, you know, you kind of have to really bring them down to reality. Has that ever happened before?
1: Of course. They're also like, I'm not everybody's teacher. You know, it's like, I'm not trying to be, I, I don't, um, I have a very specific understanding of the art and how I learned it. So of course, um, not everybody will like that. And that's okay. You know, it's, I mean, uh, so if there's someone coming in and they're expecting something com- totally different from, tha- from like the public image of Tai Chi, then and they come to my school, then they won't continue, you know, mm-hmm. and that's perfectly fine. I think, um, there's nothing wrong with it, and then sometimes you have people from other arts, or like from other, like I said, like a Chen style teacher maybe comes uh, to my class, and then he wants to find out, oh, what is this Chenyu style? And then I teach a bit, and um, a lot of them are interested. Usually, people are very interested in, but some of them might just like be very closed-minded, you know, like. I had someone, like, he was a nice guy, but he said, like, oh, you know, I'm just, like, super interested in if there's anything different. And then I taught him something. And then, of course, he wouldn't, I, I could see he wouldn't take anything, any of it, you know. Mm-hmm. So I was wondering, like, at some point, he I, <laughs> he went probably went out of the workshop and I don't know what he thought, you know. He was a nice guy, but I thought he was just, he didn't want to do it. So... He, probably his understanding didn't really change I guess during the workshop so and those people you can't teach them and they don't really want to be taught you know so it's in a way it's fine mm-hmm. if it's not happening all the time you know
0: mm-hmm. um, let's talk about the workshop you did recently where you met Ken Go in person that that looked really fun and interesting how was that
1: oh that was uh, super nice yeah I loved the um I mean, you know, I've been teaching a couple of these guys uh for like almost yeah, two years I think, So like during COVID. So I never met them in person and that's of course great when you meet the first time in person and um yeah, and you, you already have like a like a real online bond in a way. You know, mm-hmm. like you're always like already like feeling like friends, but then you meet them for the first time and it was great meeting Ken of course and mm-hmm. some of the other people. Yeah.
0: How did you uh, like America? Was that your first time in America?
1: No, I've been a couple of times. I, I think the first time as a in school, like we had a school exchange program. So a couple of Americans came over and stayed with our families. And then we went over and stayed with them. So that was when I was like 16 or something. And then I think I visited them two more times or three more times. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So, what can we do to get you here in Texas?
1: Hmm. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't, no, I, uh, I I I probably I'm coming back. So I really like the U.S. Um, I mean, in a, in a way, it's coming from Germany. It's not like like a huge culture shock, you know?
0: Right. It's basically the same. It's a Western country, so yeah. So and the Philadelphia was like to me, it felt very similar to.
1: Um, to the UK in, in a way or to Northern Germany, you know, like even mm. the buildings are very similar or, um, I dunno, it's, it's, so it's not a huge culture shock, you know, there are some, some things are different, some, some of the same, you know. How'd you like the food here? Uh, it was all right. Um, I, uh, like the cheese macaroni pizza was a bit uh, weird, but <laughs> I never even uh, heard of that. Cheese macaroni pizza. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> but then we have pizza Hawaii. So it's also weird. So mm-hmm. no, no, it was, I, I really liked it. And the people were like super nice, very open, open-minded people.
0: Very nice.
1: That's awesome.
0: Well, Nabil, I know you got to take your daughter to school. I'll stop this. Uh, and then I'll edit it. And, uh, and then uh, maybe release this one first, and maybe in a few days we can do a part two. Is that okay with you?
1: Yeah, sure. I hope it's fine. But then you can go to bed too, right? It's, it's I maybe. Mean,
0: yeah, I mean it's it's like one. It's almost one o'clock here. So oh no, it's twelve fourteen a.m. So it's okay. It works out. But uh, Nabil, I want to say thank you so much. It means the world to me. I know you woke up super early to do this. I really appreciate it, and uh, hopefully we can finish this interview soon. Okay.
1: Okay. Sure. Let's do it.
0: Thank you, Nabil. You have a blessed day.
1: Thank you. You
0: too. Take care.